welcome to this, the 14th episode of the South African Equestrian Federation's podcast, From the Horse's Mouth. My name is Georgie Roberts, and tonight we're going to be speaking about the backbone of equestrian sport, but often not seen as such, the grooms. In studio with me, I have Candice Hobday, the director of ARCO 360. Correct. And Tracy Lomax-Nixon, uh, our lawyer and legal advice for the evening. And Candice, I feel like it's really important for me to explain how you got to be the lucky person to come in here. I remember it was 2015, I think, and we were at Shangweni for um, a national championships dressage show. And never before, and Tracy, you touched on this as well, that it's it's not necessarily meanness. You walked in and you said, hi, guys, have any of you checked the groom's ablution block? And I remember just going... Here we are at the South African National Dressage Championships, and I, I hadn't even thought about that. I just assumed or whatever the case is. So what is your passion when it comes to grooms? Well, I would like to think that that made me famous and not infamous, but I did take <laughs> quite a lot of slack over that. And um, I'm just passionate about what's fair, really. Mm -hmm. Right, fair, and in good conscience. So... I always say I like to sleep well at night, and I can only do that if I'm in good conscience. So um, I think often people aren't fair through not thinking of it. Like that situation with the toilets, I don't believe anybody didn't care mm. that uh, the grooms had a terrible environment to use as ablutions. I think that they just never thought about it. And it also becomes a normal for, for you know what is acceptable and not acceptable, and this is time to revisit that. We need to get with the times. We need to modernize our thought patterns. And we need to make a better equilibrium in terms of what is right and what is wrong. You know, you look at caddies in golf. No. They are highly sought after, celebrated. They share mm. in the winnings big time. And, and I want to reiterate, we're not talking about the exceptions. I can tell you where people treat their grooms better than their kids I'm talking about the general, which is is very alarming, actually. So um, even jockey uh, riding grooms, I mean, they don't necessarily have the best environments, but gee whiz, they do have quite good opportunities and they're very included. Um, they've added that thing where the guys can actually have sh stakeholding in the horses Absolutely. and they're really part of it. And it's very incentivizing, of yeah. course, to, to develop your staff like that. And I do think that... It's not that much anymore. It has got better. And maybe mm. that was a bit of a catalyst that sort of opened people's eyes and said, hey, what's going on? But the, there has to be more inclusion, more validation, more participation of the grooms. They, they are the ones that spend eight hours with our horses. Mm. So actually, they are probably more important than your vet, your farrier, your trainer mm. and you at the end of the day. So why mm. are they suddenly sidelined and insignificant and not Absolutely. in consideration? So, so that's where that came from. And, and actually, the history to that story is I was at another event at Shangweni where there was already a little bit of a problem, and I raised the issue, and I thought, okay, when I go back, we'll look again. And ironically, one of my clients went to use the toilet, and she came back and was like, mm, Candice, the toilet's a little bit dirty. And I was like, let me go and look, and wow. So it, 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 it was the second time, so I didn't let loose for no reason, but mm. it, it was unnecessarily and unacceptable. I was embarrassed, actually, for my own staff. I think you touched on something, and we were talking about what makes grooms, you know, like a little bit more different to other, I don't want to say unskilled workers, because we were saying that they are skilled. Highly skilled. But they're considered 
you know, in um, perhaps legal terms, to be such. And you you said that it's the disparity really within the industries that is so so stark. And I think that's a really important point. Well, why I raised that issue is that if you look at any other industry where there is labor force, we and we get they are laborers at the end of the day. They they it's not it's not a blue a white collar worker, it's a blue collar worker. So if you go to a farmland where somebody is packing hay bales, it is very repetitive and the skill set is limited and can be re-educated onto another person really quickly. Although they are laborers, I'm telling you, you can't just let anybody loose on a horse, no. especially in terms of welfare mm. and proper care. Mm. Just leading a horse can be dangerous. Uh, okay, mucking a stable, maybe carrying a water bucket, but that's a small part of being a groom. You know, just putting their head over the stable door in the morning and noticing what the horse's expression is, yeah, absolutely. is, is imperative to yeah. good horsemanship. Yeah. And first, like I mentioned earlier, you have to have a certain talent for animals, mm. which not everybody is blessed with, and then you need to have a skill set. Not even many riders are blessed with a talent for animals, Candice. Well, we had this conversation <laughs> earlier. We should do a poll, yeah. but I think it would be very interesting to see how many people Candace, fail that. Candice was saying we should do a poll on um, how, what the respiration rates, average respiration rates of a horse is, what the temperature should be. And yeah, it's, you know, it's it's very mm. scary actually how little people know. So you were saying, you know, people should teach their grooms to lunge properly. Well, maybe they need to go for a few lessons mm. first too. So, I, but, I've but, seen people that can't see that the horse is disunited, mm. and I'm like, okay. But it just speaks to the value that our grooms offer us. Yes, and and I've actually just had the experience now of teaching someone from scratch, and it was actually so stimulating. I, mm. I love imparting information. And um, he was a total sponge. I mean, I would print off a, co a confirmation sheet and test it, show him everything, That's and then lovely. test him. And it's taken me more than a year, mm. more than a year, to teach him to groom, tack up all the health. He can tell you all the vitals, how to treat a basic wound. He, he's not there with injections or poulticing or anything like that. And he's just learning how to run a horse in hand properly. And I tell you what, that simple exercise of understanding a bit of body language with the horse is something that they should have been given time to understand. And develop. And develop. Mm. And to really teach a groom properly, I think in a year is 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 would be quick. Mm. It would take more like one or two years. So, hello, your average university degree spending eight hours a day is also two or three years. So. Mm. I don't think it's far off something like that. It might not have the science and the biochemistry and that, but there is a lot more intuition and feeling and Absolutely. knowledge attached to it. We can make it a BA instead of a BSc. Exactly. BG, no, best groom. <laughs> I think th yeah. there's one thing that we also don't take into account, which is the passion these grooms bring Absolutely. to the sport yeah. and how often they desperately want to learn more and how how often the rider or yard owner just, you know, doesn't doesn't do anything to channel that passion mm. into anything. I think, again, to like it's just that oversight that we, we tend to see people just as a groom. We assume a facility will have the right amenities, you know. We just, we, there's a lot of assumption, I think, that well, goes on. Part of the riding appliance, you know. I must <laughs> add something to the passion. Riding appliance. Well, yeah, it's yeah. like a saddle, a groom, a horse. So... That needs to be figured out. But I don't think people always understand how ambitious the grooms are yeah. for us. Mm. 
because I always used to chuckle myself hilariously when I get off my grooms, like, how were the flying changes today? <laughs> or why haven't you it. practiced the pier properly? Or they'd say, can't you ride her horse a few times and then take her to shows? <laughs> I mean, oh. it's, they really are ambitious for you. And and they, they if, if anybody took the time to go and be in the parking lot, I've seen grooms go and come up and pat my horses because yeah, they know that they won SA Champs yeah. and there's there's a lot of camaraderie amongst them oh. when the SA Champs come on who's going to win. Mm. Uh, there's a lot, there's a whole community and uh, I mean, look, we have our groom soccer and stuff, but one thing, if nothing about groom's wages and things comes out of this, I would love, love to see more validation of the grooms mm. in our sport. You know, I would love for not only the horse's pedigree to be shown on the programs, because our breeders and the breeding needs to get there, we need to be educated like in Europe. But you should know who looked after that yeah. horse to get it there. Totally. Whether and not they just the, the first thing, which, you know, let the yeah. groom come in. I, I, every single groom. Every single groom. Oh. And the dream should be they should all be in the prize giving too, because oh. really you wouldn't be there without that groom. I can oh. tell you that right now. Every discipline association should just make it part of the intake forms for, for shows. Yeah. You know, or competition. I personally think that we should actually make grooms members of the federation so that the federation is able to exercise some sort of control over the way grooms are treated. They are the most mistreated people in the sport and they're the people who are usually neglected. Mm. I mean, I, I gave you an example earlier. Just, Just... This a simple act of, of laying a disciplinary charge against somebody. You've got to put down two thousand rand. But again, I think if you're not a member of a DA or an NF, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you can. If you're not a member of a discipline association, yeah, but surely, you can. surely they could consider maybe doing it just for free so that you could capture it. And clearly, Absolutely. I poke my nose in a lot of places, but I'm sure you also know I got very involved with the whole tech theft debacle. And I did a huge amount of research on that. That was in itself fascinating. I mean, spreadsheets and spreadsheets of information. And for sure, the big expose was the amount of illegal grooms. Mm. What was horrifying, horrifying to me, is when I interviewed people because I needed to get this information, how many of them couldn't tell you the groom's surname. Yeah. Mm. Been employed for seven years, doesn't know what his surname is. Doesn't have a copy of his ID doesn't know where he was born, whether he has brothers or sisters, kids, married. He, I mean, he's just... So, so can we say beyond the beyond the um, what some people would consider the touchy-feely stuff, Tracy, when it comes to hiring a groom, what processes should be followed? So I'm talking about even a contract, which, you know, I, I think doesn't happen. But what are meaningful steps that everyone could do with onboarding, but even with existing grooms with regards to this kind of information capture? Okay, well, in terms of legislation, in terms of how, how you hire somebody, it, it's it's not not necessarily a requirement that there be a written okay. contract, but it makes sense for there to be a written contract, which both parties understand. And both parties should have a copy of. And Yeah, both okay. parties should have a copy of it. Um, you should sign your groom up for UIF. Mm. Um, it's an offence not and to. That's, and that covers workman's compensation as right as well, No, no, correct? that's no, separate. Not. Oh, that's separate. Okay. Is separate. So that would also be, be a requirement under the Occupational Health and Safety Act. Um, and, you know, taking references, phoning previous employers, all of that helps to instill trust in the person that you're hiring. Mm. But again, we have a problem in the sport where, where grooms 
will leave an employer because of something the employer has done and come to a new employer and suddenly that, that, that groom's being defamed. It's illegal in this country to give a bad reference to anybody, but we hear it all the time when it comes to grooms because they, their dignity is not regarded as, as, as important as the dignity uh, of somebody else. I love how said. It's, an, it's, it's, it's seen somewhat at mm. times like an accessory, you mm. know? So A necessary evil, not part of the team, mm, if I can put it to you that way. Absolutely. That, I need to add something fairly interesting in terms of workers' compensation. So workers' compensation would cover if your groom got kicked or damaged in his work time. Mm. People think public liability covers that, and it doesn't. It does not cover an employee, a second party. It would only cover a third party. Okay. So if you had a visitor that walked past a mm. horse and got kicked that was sort of not expecting anything, but a groom that worked there and knew the horse is not covered. So any kind of medical expenses incurred from during working, in theory, would be the responsibility of the owner if they didn't have workers' compensation okay. in place. And I mean... You can be talking hundreds of thousands of mm. rands if you're not careful. And yes, you can ship them off to Tembisa, but that could be its own death sentence if you're not careful. Mm. So, and, so, so it comes also again. If, somebody, if somebody is killed, and there have been instances of grooms mm. being killed, you can be talking about millions of rand because mm. you then have to be paying support for the family, mm. which workmen's compensation would otherwise mm. cover. But, but I think this exposes a, a conundrum that our industry sits in in terms of the legal staff because, again, from that research from all the stolen tech, over 95% of the grooms were not illegal. 95? And that was out of 200 cases. So, And they were a lot of top-end yards. Mm. It, it wasn't, you know, just I'm a plotter's. It, mm. and so let's not even go there. So, and, and I mean, a lot of... Do you of think that creates a little bit of like a willing buyer, willing seller thing where the illegals feel like they... Do people feel like they're more adjustable when it comes to salary perhaps I, I think it's a bit like um not getting married you know somehow you can get rid of the person faster than having to go through a divorce mm -hmm. maybe except, except but, you can't and that people don't realize that the ccma will even allow a worker who is in the country illegally to claim compensation no 100 okay. well, there might be some psychology there i think the, the problem is people don't can't often and don't know how to resolve the situation mm. or it's just too much admin because it's not easy to get a person legal. I can tell you, not impossible though. Mm. It's not easy to get a person legal. And once that's in place, the rest is is pie, huh? mm. workers' mm. comp, UIF, And Tracy, what are, what are, uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about ethical work conditions or um, terms. What is, what is legal when it comes to employment with regards to minimum wage and work hours and i mean i'm not going to i'm okay. not going to put a like put your head on a block for this but no, don't worry i looked it up okay so in 2022 grooms will um fall under farm laborers and that's something i want to get back to because it picks up on something candace said the minimum wage for a farm worker is 23 rand and 19 cents per hour with the effect from the first of march of this year now Again, you then also have to look at what the hours of work are. Um, yeah. Basically, a farm worker may not work more than 45 hours in any week and nine hours on any day if they work for five days or less. 
So you've also got to, got to factor in the, the minimum wage mm. and the obligation to pay overtime. Mm. If they and and I'd let's say most that standard hours in yards are seven to five, if mm. not more. You know. Yeah, with so the expectation to stay. And later, totally, with yeah. the expectation that if there's a show or if there's a sick mm-hmm. horse or that and we you all hang around. Mm. Yeah, the yards just don't think about paying overtime. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, and the, the the problem with with grooms and being part of farm laborers is that their living expenses are generally higher. Than the living expenses because they don't always live on the property with their families. Well, well, not only that, but but your average farm worker is in a rural area um, where cost of accommodation is lower, food prices are lower, everything is lower than than in a city. If you've got a groom living in Kailami, he's going to be paying more just in taxi fare than somebody in a rural area. So we we all have to factor in. The, the lived reality of each groom. I don't. As the, this is what the law says. I've given you what the law says, but I think we need to look at a, at how we approach it. Um, if if we were going to Cape Town, we would want a lot more money as salary than mm. what we're prepared to accept in Joburg because everything in Cape Town is more expensive. Mm. So why do we expect a groom working in Kailami to earn the same as a farm labourer mm. working in Buckerstrom? It's. I think I definitely think the individuality of each case. And then something else, which I think both of you touched on, is the amount of work we expect that groom to do. So, Candace, I love the idea of you doing 18 horses by yourself in Europe. That's pretty horrifying. Well, yeah. So, again, I think people don't think about and should try it just to see how they cope with it for a day in, do, in terms of the whole routine. Carrying a heavy water bucket from the tap to their cleaning it out, putting it back – it's it's not that easy, huh? Um, bending down, picking manure out of the paddock. I don't know if half the people in the last have mucked a stable recently. To really turn that bed properly is graft, huh? Oh. And it's dirty work, never mind to add mm. to that. And then grooming a horse properly, and it was my permanent argument with my grooms because it fascinated me they could groom four horses in, like, I don't know, 30 minutes. <laughs> but realistically they can't fit everything in if you have that many I think that's horses a great point to, yeah to uh, and and now you talk economies of scale because for me to have um one groom to five horses and then 20 horses you have five grooms in total so you've got somebody to rotate then you can charge this much to that person look it's got expensive stabling in, in Joburg but I can tell you now we probably should still be paying a lot more for what we are paying absolutely because in Europe enough. you're paying like four fifty, six fifty, seven fifty, and that's almost self-help. Huh? Mm. They deep litter, so they'll they'll put fresh bedding and they'll feed the horse. But you're probably going to have to groom it yourself and put it in the paddock. Definitely itself. take it up so yourself. You, you, there, mm. there, you're paying double, and that's because there's no labour. Now you're getting labour. Some of the aunties are all standing there, tacked up, waiting. They they barely tack the horses up mm. themselves, paying not no money, but a, a, a fair amount. But the stable and livery people are still under obligation to try and make the economies of scale. And mm-hmm. and where do you cut on that? Because you, okay, you can get less quality shavings or less quality grass or just don't pay the grooms very well or have a lot of horses to one groom. Those are your only leeways. And I think that... And that people often... will look at the food and grass before they'll look at... Mm. I actually can't think, and again, maybe this is a bit of a self-burn, can't think the last time I walked into a yard and asked how many horses to each groom. Yeah. 
And, and that's why I say, if you if you really muck and take a horse out and pick its feet twice and temper twice and clean the thermometer in between and Something's tack it up give. and cool it down and, and, and do all of that really properly, something's got to give. Mm. I, I think you would really struggle to do it properly on four horses. Mm. Uh, four horses, maybe, if one's retired, you could probably throw in more, but... Uh, when they're doing five or six, it's a challenge. And as you were saying, a lot of these grooms do land up doing other work. Yeah, they, they're doing the garden, yeah. they're doing building. Um, I think in a in a commercial livery yard, it, it's difficult to find to find a balance. Yeah. My horses are at home. I really don't care if they don't get groomed today. <laughs> they'll they'll live mm. as long as their feet are done. I, I don't care. I'm quite capable of taking mud off if I need to before I ride. So. I don't have the same expectations of my grooms in terms of how long things take. Um, but if you're running a yard, your rider's going to phone you and say, listen, I'll be there in 10 minutes. I don't have much time. Please make sure my horse is tacked up. How do you get a horse in from the paddock and groomed and ready in that amount of time? But if it's not done... The groom's at fault. I think it's about having those realistic expectations and it's probably hard conversations to be had between yard owners and livery clients and including the groom in those conversations, yeah. you know, so saying we can get your horse ready in 10 minutes, but don't come and, you know, shout at us because there's mud on a leg or. Exactly. Or, or, or say to the, the yard owner, you know, you may not phone and give me 10 minutes notice. Mm. I'm sorry. If we have designated mm. riding times, if you're going to ride outside of those times, you give me that time now so mm. that the grooms know. We know emergencies happen, but this can't become a regular thing. Routine. Because, as as you said, something's got to give, and it's always the groom who's blamed, mm. every time. And I think riders don't take nearly enough responsibility for the fact that their horse isn't looking as good or... Well, I think as Candice, you know, as you spoke about your experience grooming in Europe, it's... It's, it's, it's first of all a knowledge-based thing, and I'd like to talk about the training of grooms, which I think is very important. But I was, I've totally lost track of what I was going to say. But it has to do with also the riders being able to identify what's realistic, basically, mm. which you would only know if you've done it yourself. Well, again, sort of touching on, on the few things that I had mentioned earlier, um, sort of exposing myself to where the status of groom lies next to employers, I, I do think... One of the first things that the industry, and again, Georgie, this does not apply to everybody. No, I mean, we're talking about the mm. general. Stop and look at the guy. Mm. Just acknowledge there's a person there. Mm. Who is he? How old is he? Um, you know, is he feeling well today? Maybe mm. ask him. Always, I always say to my grooms, please, would you mind tacking my horse up? Yeah. You know, just be respectful. Imagine it was your brother that was yeah. standing on the other side. That, that that has to be put into into some kind of format. Then I think people who have grooms employed need to look seriously at trying to resolve the whole illegal situation and trying to validate their working environment. Go and look at their rooms. Yeah. And listen, I can argue at the other side. I've been frustrated that I want to tear my hair out where I've bought beautiful equipment and beds and things and, and they're dirty and broken. And, you know, listen, they can also be very badly behaved in that respect. But my biggest frustration was trying to teach my grooms to recycle. I mean, that is something I never actually got right. Drove me completely crazy. But doesn't stop you from trying to get it sorted out. So 
Get them legal if you if you can try and get them legal. Get their work environments in terms of employment, their safety boots. You know, yeah, every yeah. groom should have safety mm. boots. Absolutely. I, 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 it always fascinates me when I see guys walking around in gun Slumped. boots in the middle of summer. I mean, or, have you ever worn gun boots in summer? Mm-hmm. By yeah. the time you take them off, you're swimming in them. No. My guys have a little raisin safety boots and gun boots if it's mm. raining. Mm. If they want gloves, get them gloves. Mm. And face masks. But no, that's what they want. Especially when you consider what a blanket costs or a fly mask for a horse. Well, but Candice, you did touch on an interesting thing where we've got to have these good relationships that staff can come in and give us notice yeah. and that we can... I do think that um, most of us really have no concept of Afrocentrism in terms of culture. It's a very, very different culture for us. Just simply the whole word, yes. You know, mm. they, they, they do struggle to use the word no. Mm. And I think one of the efforts I've always put in with my grooms is to try and create... I've always said there's there's no, it's cultureless here. There's a respect for your culture, but there is just, I've always said there's just stable culture. And part of that is open, good communication. And I think, as you mentioned earlier, if everything else is functioning quite well, normally it makes it easier for them to approach you with problems and ask questions and things like that. But it's never a problem to headhunt. I mean, I, I no. still think it's wonderful if somebody gets a better job I love that you said that. You said it's so exciting when one of my grooms gets headhunted because he's getting a new opportunity. No, for sure. Amazing I, I had approach. My, my very first groom, he was wonderful, and he taught him to drive and all of the things that we, you know, some of us do. And he got headhunted, and he now drives in a Navarre and owns an apartment. And I think that's so cool. <laughs> and he has a few spa shops. So he's really got uplifted, and that can't be a bad thing. Yeah, it might be a bit of a pain for you, but it's awesome for them. What they really need to do is give you notice. So, mm. so for me, it's not about it's, it's frustrating losing the skill set, but it's gr- it's way outweighed by the the greatness mm. of them being uplifted. It's frustrating when you come to the stables and you one groom short without notice, mm. and that I don't only hold the groom accountable; I hold the new empo- employer mm. accountable. Yeah, because it's just easy to mm. pretend you don't know. They should also have the the, the courage to phone up mm. and say, listen, I've, I've offered your groom a, a job and he's starting mm. on Monday. Absolutely. So I, I, I think our industry is wrong in that respect. I, well, also, I, surely yeah. you would want references. You know, in any mm. other industry. You would be very surprised. Yeah. No. What people, I, I mean, mm. some of the, where people will pull a guy off the street and leave them in charge of the horses. Yeah. Honestly, I think you would get mm. a fright. The other thing, though, that I think makes, makes a difference um, is recognizing that grooms are not like office workers where you you kind of leave at the end of the day and you go home and you have a life. A lot of the grooms' lives are tied in with the property. That's where they socialize. It's where they live. Their children live there. Their wives live there. So I, I, I cannot understand people who, as you said, don't know the groom's last name. I, I have a I want to know next of kin. If something happens, I want to be able to that's pick a, up the that's phone a really good point. And, mm. and phone next of kin because mm. I can't authorize. Candice, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure you have, and Trace, you might have as well, like your your identity, not identity document, but something that you have for each groom. Mm. Could we maybe get a copy and we can share it? 
But what do you mean, Georgie? Just like, a copy of like, you know, like like a next of kin. So like when I've been onboarded oh, like into a corporate environment, totally. Yeah, look, I mean, oh. for me, it, it lies in a contract would be mm. most of the information mm. and a copy of their either their ID or their passport or their work permit. Blood and then, type? yeah, that mm. is all significant. <laughs> I don't know my blood type. That's the only problem with that one. Um, I have blood, hopefully. Allergies. Um, but, yeah. but Medical you, information okay. matters because these guys are working no, no, in a sure. dangerous environment. Mm. But, but like, uh, wives and that, normally I have that on my cell phone. Oh, so so okay, I would just great. get that information from them. Or what I do is on their name, um, you talk about grooms owning, I always used to have my groom's name and my surname so that I could find them. So it was always <laughs> Orlando Hobday. Um, and then I'd have his full details with his family details mm -hmm. and that logged in there so I had it really easily that's to That's not send owning anywhere. them, that's having them part of the family, Candice. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, and and, and they, they really are. I mean, the, our horses are our children. They, they, they are, in a mm -hmm. way, a part of the family. And one thing I do want to touch on, and I must say, the industry has got a lot better at Grooms are not allowed to be in the back of a horse box. Oh, yeah. I was uh, just going to move on to show protocol. Yeah. So I, I think I think that is something. There are a million registered riders in Germany. Nobody goes in the back of a horse mm. box there, and there are horses traveling all the time. Mm. Um, we, we've got to get our heads around the fact that the horses will be okay, and if they're not, that's what is going to happen. It's not a safe environment yeah. to be traveling. It's like mm. all the people on the back mm. of the buckies as well. It's a horror. But, and again, it is a lawless country and wada, 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 but it doesn't mean that you're allowed to do whatever you want. You have to keep that person's safety into consideration. So I do think that is something people have to remind themselves. Yeah. It's illegal. Besides besides the horse box, what are at-home at show things that, that we can discuss? And one of the things I want to talk about is getting your groom lunch. You know, the other thing we were discussing is how many horses to a groom at a show where they're holding the horses for the whole day? Well, I, I think a lot depends on, on how my horses are trained to be tied and my horses have a paddock. So I have one horse box, I have two horses at the show and I have a groom and he has a chair and he has a little lapper and he has mm. his phone and everything's done. Um, I've previously gone to a show where I've had five horses, but they all they all tie. Mm. So if he needs to go to the bathroom, he can phone me, say I'm going to the bathroom, and I'll then go and stand with. And the, the bathroom thing, Candice, you said before you had to go and hold a client's horses for the groom, so he could go to the bathroom, and it's just something we don't. Again, just think we just don't think about. It's just ne never, you yeah. know. You often see the grooms sitting on the the sort of wheel arch of the horse box. You've looked after your grooms, but we we're not talking about that. We're mm. talking about the general. Often they they they're sitting. There's no hat. There's mm. no shade. Never mind for the horses. There's no chair. Have you checked if he needs the loo? What about a break? I mean, if he's been there the whole day, he's not. You know, he should have a lunch break, time to go and chill. I mean, they won't. But you you have to mm. also think about that person's well being. So it's horses' welfare and grooms' well being at the end of the day, mm. and it, it's just. It needs to be in your mind. So how many horses should they hold? That's hard to answer. I mean, I think everybody's a bit different. Again, the horses can learn to stand in the horse box yeah. um, like they mm. do in Europe. Absolutely. You know, there are no grooms. You've you got to show on your mm. own. Groom mm. is like, what's that? Mm. So leave the horses, teach them to stand in the horse box so that the groom can help you tack up or untack or whatever it is that you need or give them a chance to just sit around and socialize with the other guys a little bit. But this is also about what we've, what we've touched on a few times. It's about having a relationship with the groom. I would, mm. it, it, 
I have never told my groom what to do at a show. We get to the show, I say, where, where would you like to be? Where's convenient for you? I park wherever he says mm. we must park. What do you no, This is where my arena is. What do you think is best? And often exactly. they know more than we do what's of best. they do. And mm. they, they understand, like, he'll look, you go, now there's stallions there. Let's go a little bit further over. There's a tap over there. Yeah, yeah. there's, the, tap, and, there's and, the bathroom. And, and people, <laughs> an example the other day, I, I was buying, my husband's a farrier, so I was buying him jeans. So I phoned the groups and I said, don't you want jeans rather than overalls? Because they, they're tougher. No, too hot. So I then okay. got the overalls. But a lot of people don't ask. Mm. It's presumed that this is what every groom wears. Mm. Um, same thing with food. You know, we, we have this presumption that black people like pup mm. and voice. They do because that's often what they were brought up on because it was all that could be afforded. You know, sometimes instead of going and getting pup and voice for your groom, Find out if he wants a salad on a hot day. Mm. You, you'd be surprised at the answer. Mm. But we don't, we don't ever talk about these things. Mm. We don't ever discuss what they want from us. The accessory. The accessory. It's just that's that's such a, a, a great um a great example, you know. Um we've got 15 minutes left, so I just want to touch on again um we've spoken a bit about development, but incentives. And Candace, this again is something I think it was Orlando who told me about his helicopter trip. <laughs> but but besides besides that, which I want you to tell people about, is also future proofing our grooms a little bit with things like medical aid add-ons, and in your case, I think it was an investment, mm. a savings account yeah. that they opened. So uh, to, okay, so you've raised two things there. So it was again my little thing in life, and it's not something that anybody should feel obliged to do. But I always felt. Um, it's super nice to give somebody an experience that they would really never have mm. themselves, either because they would never want to spend the money, and that's something I'm very aware of, how they'll oh. eat pup and balls because they'd rather save the money to send it home mm. or pay for the kids' education. So they often go without to allow. Um, and every year I would try and have a new experience for them so that they had firstly something to look forward to, all the aunties would have to do the horses for the day. So they oh, would have great. fun. There would be shampers and cakes. So okay. they would have to put horses in and out, muck and do that. And then I'd take the groom. Which is actually a lovely exercise in itself. Yeah, yeah. What, it's a wonderful kind of bonding, fun mm. day. I mean, the, I, they had a gas anyway. I'm mm. sure if I did it every week, they wouldn't be so happy. <laughs> so like I hired a helicopter that did this little flip. I mean, how many grooms are ever going to... Mm. Get in how many people have ever been in a helicopter? I mean, it was, and then their wives and their kids and a whole lot of people. It was um, so, it was so cute watching their reactions. Mm. Took photographs, gave them all the photographs afterwards. Went to Gold Reef City for the one time lovely? and um, let them loose with a couple of bucks and saw them in the afternoon again. Met them at the gate, Monte Casino. Oh my word, that kiddies play section. Oh, that was almost lovely. better than the helicopters. <laughs> They were wild. Been oh, to the races with them. Um, oh, you know, that's lovely. Yeah, like a whole lot of yeah. different just sort of experiences. Mm. So I think, again, you, you have to humanize them. Mm. Yes. And and if you can do that, you, you start to become more participative and caring and considerate. And believe you me, nothing frustrates me more than my staff sometimes. So even using the, the nice new u uniforms and stuff, I buy the best of everything that I can. But they could never get anything new until they returned the old one because it was amazing how that stuff just disappeared after a month. 
and they mm. needed a new pair of jeans or shoes. So I was like, no problem, you can have a new set every week, but you must give me the old broken pair. So mm. they even had to be managed like mm. that because they're still also human at the end of the Listen, day. It's, you look at what's happened with Twitter. It's, yeah. it's uniform against in, in every employment industry, yeah. you know. I think also, sorry, I was just going to finish one more thing in terms mm. of the saving plan, just sure. to, on what George yes. touched on. So one of the things that sort of alarms me is what are the groom's expectations and what are responsibilities yeah. in terms of retirement? So most people think, okay, well, I'm retiring or I'm immigrating. It was really nice knowing you. Um, bye. Or, or maybe if they're lucky, they get retrenched. Or maybe if they're lucky, they get a bit of a bonus. But often the guys haven't saved. And um, again, I, I mean, I've put a bit of effort into educating my guys. A lot of them have built a lot of houses at home and rent them out and, and things like that. But I, I investigated a couple of saving opportunities. So they were from endowments to um, uh, long-term retirement policies where in that situation I gave them a raise, but I doubled the raise into the investment for them. If they didn't want that, I didn't give it to them. So I wasn't giving them double raise. I was giving them one piece of raise and then the rest was going into the investment policy, which they could all then draw out after five years. Two of them opted to take more savings for education yeah, and things, wonderful. but they don't know about it. You know, they don't know their things out there. You know, sitting and explaining to them about compounding interest and how, mm. how 10 rand can become 20 rand. Mm. Um, well, look how the Credit Act had to intervene with people getting hammered by Edgar's accounts and things like yeah, that, you know. Yeah. So, and there are facilities out there. I, I did with uh, Momentum had very nice products. That they just had to have identity documents. The FICA was really uncomplicated. And it, it, it actually ran off my account in that situation, although they did all have bank accounts to do it off. And then I just deducted that off their, as their cost of sales for their salaries. And um, it worked fantastically well. And it was very easy to draw the money out. I did it through a broker. It was not admin at all, and mm. I'm allergic to it. <laughs> so there are opportunities mm. out there for retirement funds, provident funds, funeral funds, and then, sorry, one more thing, and then I'll keep quiet. Um, in terms of medical, you do get a thing called occupational health, which is like a miniature med medical scheme, but there is still nothing like workers' comp if you can okay. get it. Okay. Because that that so is, workman's comp is actually better. No, really, workers' comp is the way to go. Okay. If you, but they have to have some kind of permit or ID book okay. to be on workers' comp. They've got to be legit. But it'll pay mm. everything. I, I, I had actually a testament to a groom. He was standing there and the truck touched the gate and the gate fell on him and like really chopped his head open and um, took him to Sunning Hill. They did all they had to do. They treated him. It was stitches because he, he was hard. I think the gate bent and it was <laughs> almost fine. And um, I had to take him back three weeks later. Otherwise, they wouldn't pay the bill. And then they did follow up. Sunning Hill Private Hospital, all expenses That's paid. Incredible. I just had to have my workers' compensation number okay. That's and wonderful. his ID. It was super easy. Okay. And it, it does happen, huh? Mm, no, uh, and you. I can tell you stories about horses that have damaged grooms and they just left to yeah. resolve mm. their own problems. Mm. Sorry, not cool. Tracy. It's, it's not prescribed mm. that you have to make allowance for retirement annuities or pensions mm. or anything like that. That's, that's strictly voluntary. Um, there's also other ways that you can make futures for your grooms. And again, that comes back to know, knowing them. What is their dream? Mm. What do they want to do with their lives? What, what are their dreams for their children? So mm. there are ways that you can help them to achieve those dreams. For instance, 
signing them up for for learning. I, I've mm-hmm. I've signed one of my ladies up to do a bookkeeping course. Even as you said, giving a Wi-Fi password, there's a wealth of knowledge that is available. Yeah, laptop on... and my mm-hmm. groom has a laptop. He's got Wi-Fi. He mm-hmm. spends, I think, all night watching YouTube documentaries. But to the, but to the point, like you said, a two million rand horse, a one million yeah. rand car, and and we're living on the same property with people who are living in abject poverty sometimes, you know? But also, you know, small businesses can, can help. And there's there's a lot of these little micro businesses that operate amongst the grooms. You know, there's, there's a friend of mine's groom, when he's finished work, sets up a little table outside and he sells sweets. Oh, that's and great. Things. And that's... Pocket money for him, mm. you know. Salahoff had a groom who used to rent out fridge space. Yeah. He came and he asked us for for a loan one Christmas and Renee gave him some money and she and he said, I'll pay you back. And I think she gave him 500 rand and in February he gave her back 600 rand. And she said, what's this? And he said, it's interest on my loan. I'm paying you back. And she said, how did you do this? And he rented out fridge yeah. space. And then the other grooms also at Salahoff ran a betting pool the broodmares to see if it was going to be a cult or a filly. That was really cute. Hilarious, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. It's not, it's it's the many roads to Rome. It's just, again, about stopping and thinking about it. Like, if if, if I was in his shoes, what would I want? What would I need? What would I deserve? You know, those are sort of the three questions you should Mm -hmm. ask yourself. And I don't think people really go there because it's it's maybe I don't know if it's because they're just not used to going there or because they don't want to open Pandora's box. I also that think we can be a bit paternalistic. It's you know, you're not in issues. So we shouldn't we shouldn't be sitting going, I think this is what the person would want. Mm. He has agency. Mm. He has his own dreams, his own ambitions and and you should every employer in any industry should encourage their employees to be transparent and open and share mm. with them so that you 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 mm. both cater your relationship mm. in a way when you you're not disappointed because the person mm. turns out to be something that they're not. So that it's they're the same not. As, as you know how we buy horses wanting a dressage horse and it wants to be a show jumper. Exactly. So. I, I think if 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 you expect him to care for your horse, you have to care about him. Yeah. And it's a, it starts and to and your point, there. a good groom will will really save you money and so much in the long run, totally. you know, with what they pick up. And you actually remind me, there was, I think it was Steve Jobs who said, people don't quit bad jobs, they quit bad bosses. Mm. And I really think that that's, we can all just be a little bit better. No, I, I think there is a, it, it has improved, Georgie. I can see mm. a big no, improvement. No, of course, okay? absolutely. Really, I can see a very big improvement, but the, it's a long way off what it should be. Mm. I, I think that that people need to be more conscious, and it's not only the responsibility of the yard owner, it's the responsibility of the horse owner as well to mm. just be a little bit more yeah. alert to, as opened to the totally. environment. I also think that we also, we need to be honest with ourselves. If you can only afford to pay your groom sub-minimum wage, or even just minimum wage, can you afford your horse? Mm. Because, you know, I've seen instances with grooms in torn shirts and the riders decked out in the latest yards. Yeah, as Candace said, minimum wage is a nice pair of breeches. Yeah, mm. we, we should be budgeting for a, a decent wage and decent living conditions mm. for the people who work for us. Simple mm. as that. Thank you both so much for joining us this evening. The hugest of pleasure. Always fun to be behind. Always, always is. I love, always love commentating with you. 
And this is just a reminder that there, if anyone wants to go and look it up, it's the International Grooms Association, which we will be covering once their launch has gone live. And then we do look forward to having Kim Hughes and Yvonne Bolton in the studio when it comes to grooms education. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Please remember to tune in every Wednesday at 7 p.m. for the SAEF podcast.